how do I work with this hyper-awareness? It's something that is causing me a lot of anxiety and overwhelm. What do I do? Kia ora whanau. Welcome to the Pocket Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Headley. This podcast is about bringing you tools, practices, and science-based processes that help one move from overthinking and anxiety to calm and confidence. Where does this information come from? It comes from simply my own experience uh, of moving from anxiety in my own life, uh, panic attacks and diagnosed depression to a place where that no longer rules my life. I've also coached over 50 people successfully. Uh, Also as well, I'll uh, pull out some science data uh, where I can and I will share it here in a really succinct and uh, easy to understand way. Uh, And that's really what the podcast is about. I'm still trying to work on this intro to make it a little bit more snappy. It's not very snappy. Um, I'm not here to sort of sell you anything or, um, you know, to any of that stuff. Uh, I'm just simply here to share information because it's needed more than ever nowadays uh, with so much going on in the world. I mean, we've had COVID, um, but now we've got an upcoming recession. Um, We've had so many changes and occurrences, uh, freaking monkey uh, Mr. Monkey, I don't want to say it. Well, I get sensitive. I've already said COVID screw up. Monkey pox. <laughs> if, I, if podcast senses me, then it senses me. What the heck? The, the Ukraine situation. And then there's a situation in Iran with women. Uh, I mean, there's so many horrendous things going on. Uh, it's only natural that anxiety, fear, worry, doubt would be peaking more than ever nowadays. Uh, so that's why I'm doing this podcast and that's why I want to present, uh, this information more than ever now. And that's why I'm bringing the podcast back, right? Or why I've brought it back. Um, that's actually the first episode as of, I'm recording this episode is releasing tomorrow. We're just building a little bit of a backlog, uh, so that, um, my editor can, uh, you know, get things flowing and moving and I can get you guys, um, up to three podcasts a week, you know, maybe in the future it might even be more, who knows? Um, but yeah, we really want to grow this thing. So, uh, before we get into it, uh, today I will be sharing a little story that I feel like a lot of what you may relate to around hyper awareness. Um, and a conversation I had with a client about this. This is definitely something, uh, this podcast, the, the information that I share here, uh, the tools, the practices, the processes, the information, uh, I, I want to get out to as many people as possible. And if you want to as well, and if you feel that this will help other people, then um, please do your part and yeah, go ahead and share uh, this um, this podcast with you know someone you know or someone you may, may think it might help. Um, I'll share it on your story, take a snippet, um, rate the podcast, you know, do what you need to do. Um, that, that would be very much appreciated. Obviously, it's doing, just doing this completely free in hopes that it does help people as much as possible. So I was having a conversation with a client yesterday morning and she was talking to me about how she was struggling with hyper-awareness. And uh, I'm going to be sort of, I've got some notes on my phone here just because um, I've been um, quite active today and I don't want my mind to go too much on a tangent. I want to stay to the topic. My mind tends to go on a tangent a bit more. Um, I have a tendency to do that when um, I'm no longer, or I'm already a little bit uh, brain dead, I should say. And I've sort of burnt through a lot of the uh, neurological compounds required for focus. So here we are. Hyper-awareness. And she asked me, Karen, like, how do I, how do I work with this hyper-awareness? It's something that is causing me a lot of anxiety and overwhelm. What do I do? And the very first thing I said to her was firstly, hyper-awareness isn't the problem. Your reaction is, uh, now that's obviously this is purely my point of view. Remember guys, this is, and this is based on my experience and, um, you know, it's, it's helped many people. Yes. But at the same time, it might not be for everyone and that's okay. You know, this 
might stand out for you though, however. Uh, now, what I mean by this is, is, is just this point. Ignorance is bliss until you hit the ground. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that saying before. It was a saying I heard and it clicked for me. If you were ignorant that you didn't have a parachute on and you jumped out of a plane, it's all bliss because you're enjoying the process. You never had to worry about strapping up. You get to enjoy the ride. But then what happens when it comes, to time, comes time to pulling the parachute? <laughs> the ignorance that you weren't wearing the parachute isn't so nice, is it? Often we become ignorant of things, but that doesn't deny the existence of those things. If I saw a lion in the distance, I'm, no, I'm not ignorant of it. I'm aware that there's a lion in the distance. I can do something about my positioning to the lion's positioning in comparison rather or in relation to. If I was ignorant that there was a lion in the distance and that lion started coming closer, I'm more blissful because I'm ignorant to it. But what happens if I deny the existence of this lion because I continue to remain ignorant? It doesn't change the fact that that lion is coming towards me. And this often happens um, and has happened many times in my life where I've tried to be ignorant of certain things or I've tried to not look at the news and, you know, I still do my best to not look at, you know, a lot of sort of the, the normal media, um, quote unquote just because a lot of it's hyper negative. Um, you know, I try to obviously stay in touch with it in general, but um, I don't get consumed by it. Um, very big mistake I used to make. I used to uh, remain as ignorant as I could to um, a lot of red flags I'd see, and whether it was in certain people, like c compared to what I felt I needed, uh, whether it was situational, whatever it was, I would feel good for some time because, you know, I'd be quote unquote ignorant. But the problem is, is just because I'm ignorant doesn't mean those things aren't happening in the background building up to become more of a problem where I will need to deal with it in the future. Now, the problem is, is now it's accumulated to a point where it becomes a much bigger issue for me to deal with and therefore a much bigger hurdle for me to overcome. Ignorance is bliss until you hit the ground. In other words, until it comes at you and it's a point to a point where you no longer can ignore it, it's obviously going to become a much bigger issue and a much bigger challenge to overcome. <laughs> I'm often ignorant of my emails. <laughs> I wonder how many people can relate to that. I put it on the back burner. I'm like, oh, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. And then I finally open up my emails. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got hundreds of emails to get through. And then I've got to sit down quite literally for an hour and a half to two hours all at once and just go through all of them. It's, ignorance really isn't bliss. I, I need to stop being ignorant about my emails. I used to be ignorant about my bank account. Another example, not looking at the bank account doesn't change the reality of it. <laughs> so my point I'm getting at is awareness isn't the problem. It's actually important to be aware. In fact, that which you're not aware of, you cannot reverse engineer. In other words, if you're not aware of something, you can't do anything about it. If I gave you half of the maths problem and I said solve this maths problem, you're going, there's a very small chance that you're going to get that problem correct or the solution correct because there's a lack of awareness about the true problem. But if I now give you the entire problem, you've now got a greater capability to come to a more quality solution or a more quality answer because you've got the entire problem. You're aware of the full scale of the, of the, of the problem you've got to solve. And I've noticed that this is applied immensely in my life where Actually, it's more important to develop a greater level of awareness. In fact, hyper-awareness is a gift. And it's something, well, more than a gift, actually, I should say, it's a skill. It's something that's actually developed. And some people actually will have it more naturally, have a natural tendency for it. I certainly didn't. I had to develop awareness. <laughs> I was very unaware, actually. Uh, like I said, I was very ignorant. And I had to develop awareness, become aware of these challenges in my life, aware of the deeper root of these challenges, aware of um, when these red flags will pop up in my life, aware of, you know, high 
hyper-aware, which obviously was um, this lady's challenge that she was dealing with. What we were able to actually uh, peel back was what this, what the true challenge was for her. Well, what she started to realize is just this, as we sort of peeled it back and we took it back a few steps, was, were there, was that there were three main layers to the challenge she was dealing with. There was the awareness of the thing. So in other words, there, there, was, there was the awareness of you know, the, the challenge in we can go relationships, then the challenge in business, then the challenge in, in social um, situations, right? So there's like a multitude of challenges that are there and the awareness of all of this is too much. So there's the awareness of the thing. Now that's not the problem, but then there's the meaning that we're making out of the thing. So in other words, actually I'll use an example from my own past situations that I struggled with. I'll get to that in a moment. I'll use some examples. And then there's the reaction or response I have of the meaning. So there's the awareness of the thing, the meaning that I make from the thing, and then the uh, response or reaction that I have to that meaning. Those are the three layers. A quick little story on, on awareness that will uh, give it a greater perspective to this. I am lucky enough to have a mother who is a travel agent. So I, when I was in high school, got the opportunity to go to, go to Botswana in uh, southern Africa. And uh, I was on a safari with my family. It was me, my sister, my parents, and then we were with some other tourists on the safari alongside two guides. <laughs> Back to the lion example this came from actually a story because we saw a lion. Uh, and in Botswana, lions over there are actually, um, from my understanding, um, I mean, I might be wrong, this is as far as I know, are the biggest in the world. And they're referred to as black-maned lions. They're lions with black manes. Massive lions. They're gorgeous from memory anyway. You know, I was quite young then, still in high school. We saw this black-maned lion. Uh, this is the first lion we'd come across during the safari, and I was super excited. So there I was, super excited about it. Uh, there were my parents taking some pictures. There were the guides, just, you know, just another day for them. <laughs> um, just instructing us, hey, it's all good, stay calm. They see the vehicle, they don't see you. Um, and then there's the other tourists, you know, doing the thing. And then there's my sister lying on the ground and crying. <laughs> like, oh no, there's a lion, right? Uh, I don't remember this too vividly, but I remember the essence of sort of what was going on here. You'll have to excuse any motorcycle noises in the background. The point that I'm getting to with these layers is just this, and this correlates to the story. The awareness of the lion wasn't the problem. And notice how all of us in the safari are aware of the same thing, we're aware of the lion. Yet notice how each of us have a different response or a different reaction to the existence of this lion being in our presence. That's because there's firstly a meaning we've made out of the lion being there. Oh, it's just another day. Oh, it's a gorgeous treat creature. Oh my gosh, it's a lion, how cool. Or Oh my God, it's a lion, it's gonna kill me. There's a meaning. And now how I respond to that meaning that I've got in my mind, that's going to determine the way I feel, the way I'm thinking, and the actions that I take, or the words that I end up saying. That's a reaction or response. Now that isn't the meaning itself, because the meaning itself is a uh, triggered story that I have in my mind. That's got nothing to do with actually what I say, um, in, in the essence of it, because what I say, doesn't need to be determined by that. However, it's going to influence more so. It's not controlling, but it's influencing what it is I say. For example, you know, I could have this thought, oh my God, there's a lion, what do I do? Some people might freak out. Some people might freeze. Some people might go into panic. Some people might complain to the guide and be like, get us out of here. 
There's so many different ways I could respond to the situation. So the story itself doesn't necessarily determine the action or the response. That's purely based on my conditioned tendency, based on what I've learned and how I've learned to survive situations, whether it be with the lion, whether it be in relationships, when I get triggered, whether it be in financial stress, it's going to be determined by that, or it's going to be determined by my conscious capability in that moment to respond in the way that I feel is best. As we peel back those three layers, we can then understand, okay, well, the awareness isn't the problem and that's not something I can change. I can't change the thing that I'm aware of. In other words, I can't, I can't control the fact that there's a lion there. The meaning that I'm making out of the lion, oh my God, there's a lion, that's so exciting. I can change that, but I can't change that then and there because that's already imprinted in my mind. However, I can condition myself to learn to change that meaning over time. Just the same way as I used to be more afraid of heights than I am today because I've leaned into that fear and I've overcome a lot of my fear of heights. There is still some fear remaining, but most of it's gone, right? Just the same way as I used to be incredibly jealous and jealous in romantic relationships and I'm far less so jealous. And yes, there's sometimes jealousy, jealous tendencies that might come through, but very rarely because I've worked on it. I've changed the meaning of certain situations occurring to what that meant. That can change. It takes time. However, that third layer is something I'm much more in control of which is how I react or respond. Now, funnily enough, well not funnily enough actually, it's, it's quite clear once you really grasp this. As I change the way I respond or I strengthen the level of reaction, that determines whether or not I strengthen the story or the meaning or whether I'm able to change and influence a transformation of that meaning. So this is where an example will come into play where I can share a story of the jealousy that I used to have in romantic relationships. Um, now I, I know that people can, re can relate to this. It's actually more common than people realize. I was in a situation when I was younger where I experienced a um, girl that I was um, you know, really into. Um, we started dating and, you know, we weren't quite to the boyfriend-girlfriend phase and um, I really drunk and I saw her uh, get with someone and, uh, you know, start making out with someone in front of me at a festival. And of course, at the time, I'm being, well, what was I, 18 years old, so you know, still quite young, but, you know, very well aware to be able to be influenced in, in, a, in a way that, um that cut me, of course, and you know, I felt very sad, very depressed for a bit. Um, you know, I beat myself up over it. Um, I, uh, you know, made all these meanings about myself up in my mind about how I was, how lovable I was, and you know, all all these things that is only natural to come from a situation like that. Um, so, any um, in any case, I um, developed a strong tendency for jealousy. Um, whenever I'd see a girl that I was dating or I liked, if, I don't even have to be dating the girl, um, talk to another guy, I would make this meaning up in my mind. I'm not good enough. What's the point in trying? Um, she's just going to like that other guy more than me. So this, I didn't even realize I was making this meaning up, but that was a meaning I was running. I was in a relationship. Um, again, let's fast forward. I think about five years later, I'd gone through a lot of like a bit of life, you know, half decades, a decent amount of time. And, uh, you know, between that time, like I really didn't have much of an opportunity to work on the story um, and run many times. It caused me a lot of challenges, but didn't, I wasn't, I never got an opportunity to be in like more of a longer relationship situation. And here I was um, five years later in a longer relationship situation. And the story came up a lot. It was at a time when my anxiety was at its peak. I was having panic attacks quite often and uh, I was ruled by my anxiety. And in this jealous situation, 
did not help. <laughs> did not help one bit, right? And uh, I kept running this story, of course, every time she'd talk to someone. Um, and also it was in French as well. So, you know, I didn't speak French at the time. So I'd speak, see them speak in French and I'll be like, oh my God, <laughs> what are they saying? Uh, and uh, I, I made this meaning up in my mind that um, because, you know, she was smiling and she was laughing and um, like that she obviously liked this guy more than she did me and that she was going to leave me for him. Now, there was this one moment we were rock climbing and I remember it very clearly because it was a turnaround moment for me when I only just started doing this kind of work on myself and I started learning more about how one can actually program their mind to think differently. She was talking to a guy in French and didn't understand a word they were saying and normally I'd be engrossed in watching the situation unfold, um, just sort of making sure that nothing uh, ill happened. What I caught myself doing was just that. So I took a step back within myself, I took a breath and I moved away from the situation. I'm like, no, this isn't how I want to live. This isn't how I want to be in a relationship. This isn't this isn't the Kieran that I want to be going forward in my life. I, I was so sick of being anxious about this that I decide I put my foot down finally, and I decided not enough is enough. I'm not going to. This isn't the way I want to be programmed in my life. So I, I turned away and I walked away from the situation completely, and I celebrated within myself. I, I was really proud of my ability to do that because every time in the past I'd be consumed by it, got incredibly anxious, made up all these meanings, and it built up to you know a lot of toxicity within myself when i finally did that i was, I was so overjoyed about it when we come back to the the, the um, steps that i mentioned what did i do i was still aware of the situation the meaning was still the same but my actions were different what was interesting is next time that happened i was less anxious why because i showed that when i choose that different response i am still safe it decreases that level of anxiety that I have about it now that I've proved to my brain that it's safe. So therefore, there's less of a threat response from the amygdala part of my brain, which is the threat detection center in your brain. And therefore, I release less stress hormone and stress compounds in my system. So I feel less anxious. And every time I respond differently and I show to my brain that this new action is actually a safe action to take, that is decreasing the intensity of that meaning and therefore strengthening a new process and a new thought pattern that I can have going forward. This is how we change the meaning. And this is how I reprogram my brain to, to go down a different path compared to in the past. Um, and you know that step to, that I, um, is pretty straightforward. It's being aware of, the, of the, firstly, being aware of the trigger right? Okay, I'm aware of the story that I'm running. Secondly, taking a step back within yourself, whether it's a deep breath, whether it's meditating, um, getting away from the situation, whatever that is. And then the third step is taking a different action than you'd normally take. And that's how you reprogram yourself to process a situation differently. And then the meaning over time will change. And over time, uh, your ability to respond more calmly to the situation will improve because you'll feel naturally less anxious because you've proved to your brain that that situation is no longer as dangerous as what you believed it was initially. Because there's a reason why the brain formed that meaning is because it was to protect you. That you need to show your brain that you don't need protecting that you're okay and that takes conscious action that's really it guys um our last point i'll make is that every time you react uh of course and you fall for the reaction you're actually strengthening that reaction and you're strengthening the pattern that isn't serving you so it's just being aware in terms of now just because you do it once or twice doesn't mean that's completely negative it's obviously you just want to outweigh it with taking the conscious response more often than you do the uh reactive response that's all there is to it. So if you found that this served you, um, yeah, please go ahead and share. That'd be amazing. Uh, and with that being said, that's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Lots of love, guys. And I will see you next time. Ciao, ciao.